Okay, we'll go ahead and get started. Good afternoon, everybody, and uh, thank you for joining us for the Pac-12 media webinar to review today's announcement of the 2020 Pac-12 football schedule and plans for the uh, fall sports. Uh, today, our panelists for the webinar is Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, Ray Anderson, Arizona State Vice President for University Athletics, uh, David Shaw, Stanford's Bradford M. Freeman Director of Football, and Doug, Dr. Doug Ackerman from Oregon State, the Senior As Associate Athletic Director, Sports Medicine. Uh, today's format will have Pac-12 Network's Yogi Roth and Ashley Adamson host the discussion. After 15 minutes, we'll go to questions and answers from the media. At this time, I'd like to go ahead and turn it over to Ashley and Yogi. Hi, Dave, thanks so much. And I, I think we actually really need to start by saying happy birthday to David Shaw, because I think this is what we're all gathered for today. So happy birthday, coach. No, you're younger. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I'd like to get, you know, and, and start with a, an opening comment from, from you, Commissioner Scott, and, and given really that all four of you sit in very different chairs and have had different roles in allowing this thing to come together, I'd like to get each of your thoughts on the schedule from where you sit. But we'll start with you, Larry, and, and maybe you can just begin by providing, you know, the highlights of the schedule and what this model hopes to accomplish. Certainly. Thank you, Ashley. Good to see everyone. And I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Coach Shaw, uh, Ray Anderson, and Dr. Ackerman, uh, representing the different stakeholders that have been very involved in what's been a tremendously uh, collaborative process uh, with key stakeholders and experts in our conference uh, to develop our football schedule. Many other people behind the scenes are athletics directors, uh, different committees we have on Olympic sports, uh, football, uh, and at the conference office that have worked on uh, these schedules. So today our CEO group uh, approved uh, our plans for um, 20-hour CARA rule that will kick in uh, for football starting on Monday the 3rd, uh, as well as training camp that will start as early as August 17th in football and August 15th for our Olympic sports, as well as a football schedule. Let me say that at the outset that as it relates to the move to 20 hours of CARA, uh, training camp for football, practice starting for Olympic sports. Uh, this remains a very dynamic process. Um, the health and safety of our student athletes continues to be of paramount importance and we continue to be, and our schools continue to be in close consultation with public health authorities, other governmental authorities uh, that will ultimately uh, determine and have to approve our ability to move forward. And this work is ongoing. Uh, we're very fortunate. We've got a world-class medical advisory committee, very engaged. Uh, with us, as well as with discussions with other national leaders, and we will continue to evaluate and be nimble in terms of how we adjust. But we have a plan, and we've got a football schedule, which was approved today um, following a July uh, 10 decision by our CEO group to uh, go to a 10-game conference-only schedule. So today's schedule that we announced today uh, will start on September 26th with a lot of built-in flexibility, uh, both in terms of a bye week that each of our teams will have and an open week uh, in December, so that if the situation warrants uh, based on health and safety and based on how the virus proceeds, uh, whether it's the first games of the year uh, that are scheduled for the 26th or other games, uh, we have the ability to reschedule them and do our best with this delayed start to accommodate for everything going on in our communities uh, and with these two 
back updates, the bye week and the week in December to try to get through a 10-game conference schedule and to have our championship game on December 18th or 19th. On our championship game for football, uh, we've been in close consultation with our partners at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. We've determined that in order to have the maximum flexibility, nimbleness, and in light of uh, the concerns expected for fan attendance, we're going to play a home-hosted model for our football championship game this year. We've done it before. As many of you know, three years, we had a home-hosted game. We know what to do. That gives us the maximum uh, flexibility. Um, and... Uh, we've agreed with our partners in Las Vegas that we're going to just delay the start of our two-year agreement. We're looking forward to kicking off with a bang uh, next year uh, in Las Vegas. Um, let me also just make a few comments about our men's and women's soccer, women's volleyball, uh, men's and women's cross country. We, we approved the scheduling plans. They will also start the weekend of September 26th. The exact details of those schedules need to be tweaked following our conversation today, but we think we're days away uh, from those schedules. But we think we're going to be able to have very robust conference schedules uh, in those sports uh, and look forward to uh, exciting postseason opportunities for those sports as well. So uh, thanks for that. Those are the, that's the essence of what we announced today. A lot of important inputs went into it, which my colleagues will speak to. Yeah, and on that note, Larry, I know Coach Shaw, I know you were critical in playing a role in how the schedule came together and you guys worked really hard on this. And you've also said the hardest thing the last four months has not been knowing. So there's still a lot that needs to happen between now and that first kickoff for, for it to come together. But how are you feeling your overall thoughts right now on, on what the schedule looks like and for you guys in particular? Yeah, the hardest thing about being a football coach right now is not having answers for your, your, your student athletes and their parents. And um, putting a schedule together now, we can start ha having some more of those answers for when we start training camp, what our next few weeks are going to be like. Um, I, I have to say a, a lot of the credit goes to Woody Dixon and that Pactel working group, uh, working through a lot of these issues, putting these things together, ready, preparing for every eventuality, um, which we've had to deal with a lot of those eventualities. It says things have been pushed back and sometimes accelerated, um, but uh, I give a lot of credit to that working group, uh, to the Pactel head coaches uh, that we continue to incorporate and get their opinions um, so that we're all on the same page. Uh, same page. Uh, student athletes as well uh, jumped into some of those calls to give us their perspective, uh, which I know we really appreciate it in order to find the best way to try to find a way to make this thing happen. And uh, uh, Larry Scott mentioned um, our, our doctors, Dr. Ackerman and, and, and our, our medical professionals have been outstanding in giving us their guidance um, and, and uh, pushing us in certain directions and making us aware of different things so that we can have the most comprehensive approach to beginning to start looking at having a football season. And Ray, for you as an athletic director, what has it been like talking to campus, talking to your coaches, and of course your fellow ADs and putting all the pieces of this puzzle together? Well, you know, it's been exhaustive to be quite honest uh, in large part because the fluid nature of this COVID-19 uh, situation uh, has put us all in a position where for the most part, day in and day out, uh, we didn't have control. Uh, and most of us have that, those kind of personalities and have careers where by we have had a lot of control. Uh, well, this situation took that away from us. So uh, it's been exhaustive. It's sometimes uh, extremely frustrating. Uh, but we've been really served well in the Pac-12, as Commissioner and David alluded to, 
with Dr. Ackerman and our medical folks, uh, with our FARs, our faculty athletic reps weighing in, with our student athletes weighing in, uh, with our senior winners, women's administrators weighing in, uh, with the conference office, uh, the national, uh, local, and, and, and campus uh, ops people, uh, and others who have weighed in. It's really been a collaborative uh, but exhaustive process. Uh, and so knowing the fluidity would require us to be flexible day in and day out uh, in the acknowledgement that we could only do it through great collaboration. That has been the thing that has been most impressive to me in seeing how the PAC-12 has handled this thing. Because uh, you have different things happening in different places. You have obviously different interests, different agendas at some point. Uh, but under this circumstance, uh, this conference really came together uh, in, I think, an impressive fashion. And we got to a place uh, where, despite all the craziness of the COVID-19, it's a good place for us, driven by the flexibility. Uh, and to David's point, uh, Woody Dixon, who took on uh, the chairmanship of our COVID-19 football working group, uh, has done a fabulous job. Uh, working with the doctors, working with the coaches, David Shaw and others, with our personnel folks across the board. It's been quite impressive because of the collaboration, Yogi and Ashley. And we got to a schedule today that, you know what, gives us a lot of comfort that we will be able to be nimble and adaptive as this situation goes on. So uh, all of our athletic director colleagues, uh, uh, Mark Harlan with the Football Oversight Committee, uh, tremendous. Uh, Jen Cohen really making sure that the Olympic sports and working with our senior women's administrators uh, was, was, was involved uh, and across the board. So uh, I'm proud to be a, a member of the Pac-12 AD team that uh, we, we think has come up with uh, a collaborative uh, solution that will serve our conference well and most importantly uh, the student athletes that we serve. Well said. Okay, speaking of collaboration, Dr. Ackerman, can you give us a sense of the Pac-12 medical group that has collaborated to put together the guidelines and the advising towards student-athletes in these campuses as we begin fall sports? And we've been incredibly thankful to have, um, have opportunities to have not only that, the team physicians, the athletic trainers of our Pac-12 institutions all come together and be willing to give their time. But but we've had some, some really key input from infectious disease specialists and experts within our pectoral footprint and in our institutions to, to give up their time and to volunteer their time. We, we meet at least for two and a half to three hours a week on multiple days. And we have been doing this for the last two and a half months. And, um, and, and to have that expertise and, and the ability to really uh, know not only what is going on in the sports world, but what's going on in the infectious disease world, the CDC world, and, and to be able to integrate that into our guidance and recommendations back to the head coaches, the athletic directors, the presidents and CEOs has, has been really, really a, a great thing to watch. And Dr. Ackerman, just to follow on that, obviously everybody knows there's no way to completely eliminate the, the risk of the virus right now, but can you just sort of walk us through some of the basic protocols that, that you guys have implemented or that will be implemented to help at least mitigate that risk? Sure. I mean, I, I can say without question that all of us have a really healthy um, respect for this virus. 
right? This virus is one that is, is, uh, has been difficult for the medical community to, to manage and, and handle. And we, um, you know, and, and we all continue to watch the curves and we all, the thing that's been frustrating is we all are continually reliant on the general community to wear masks and make good choices because that impacts the, the community um, prevalence of the disease. We can set up great parameters and we have set up great parameters and pathways for us to follow within the athletic confines or the athletic campuses on our institutions, um, including making sure that we're testing appropriately and, and using the best test that's out there um, and hopefully augmenting it with more point of care testing as that becomes more available um, so that we're making sure that we are using the resources that are, 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 that are available on our campuses and not necessarily taking it from the, the, the medical community or the general communities that we are, are living in. Um, you know, the, the plan and processes that we've laid out are multiple pages. They involve, you know, how do you clean the locker rooms? How do you uh, manage the, the personnel flow in and out of the buildings? Um, face coverings, when to wear them, um, you know, th those are all procedures and policies that we've put in place to help guide our institutions to make it as safe as we can. Coach Shaw, you sit on the competition committee as well as being the head coach at Stanford. What has it been like when you look from state to state in this footprint and it's different regarding the equity and what is allowed and what isn't allowed? And curious what the dialogue was as you put together the schedule. Well, you know, I think difficult situations bring out the worst in people and sometimes the best in people. And a lot of what I've seen has been the best of people. And um, on that group, this has been how can we return to sport um, in a way that makes it the best for the student athletes to participate safely. And that's been from the very beginning, how can we do this? Um, listening to experts, um, listening to people in different places and trying to find a way for things to be as equitable as possible, but also as understanding as possible that some places are going to be different than other places. Um, so coming from different places and different, um, different uh, situations on different campuses and different areas has been difficult to a certain degree, but the mentality has been the same. Um, how can we do what's best for, for our student athletes? And um, from a lot of voices out there, still nobody cares about these young people more than we do. Um, we're with them. We talk to them and their families all the time. And um, to, to hear the same message from around the country um, has been exciting uh, for me and uh, trying to find a way to do this. And it's, there's so many people have collaborated. We've just mentioned some of them, but across the nation, so many people have really put, uh, chipped in their expertise uh, and their, their intentions, their positive intentions to help this thing happen. Um, it's been it's been great to be a part of. You know, and I know we're going to open it up to media questions here in just a minute. But Larry, I'd I'd like to ask you from from your perspective. You know, you look at the ACC; they announced an 11 game schedule that starts September 12th. SEC announces a 10 game conference only schedule that starts September 26th. There was a lot of discussion about unity of the leagues back in March. How would you describe, I guess, the you know the dynamic between the leagues right now, and maybe even the relationship between the commissioners? The collaboration has been excellent, it really has. I mean, if you think back to March when we had to make the very unfortunate decisions to cancel our men's basketball tournaments when they were going on and then cancel spring sports, um, we all got to a similar place within about a 24-hour period. And that's because we're speaking every day. Um, we're independent uh, conferences. We make independent decisions. 
obviously hugely competitive with one another, but the level of collaboration is excellent. And I think that manifests itself through all kinds of decisions that we made, uh, how to deal with student athletes that you know, missed their spring season, how to get kind of return to um, voluntary workouts. And we're all making our own decisions, but I think you're seeing um, kind of everyone uh, arriving at a similar place, uh, each with its own nuance. Um, there's still some conferences that have to uh, fill in their details, but most of us are gonna wind up with conference-only schedules, maybe the addition of a non-conference here or there. Um, you know, Most of us are looking at delayed starts, maybe not all, I don't wanna get in front of any that haven't decided yet. And most of us are gonna be ending around December 19th. Now we all got there independently, but with the sharing of best practice, uh, the best medical advice from different parts of the country, feedback from our student athletes, coaches, and all that. So there, there are little differences between us, but by and large, we've, we are all managing to preserve the possibility of playing a robust conference season. We got a selection committee for the college football playoff that can deal with more, you know, the subjectivity, which we'll have more of under a conference-only schedule than we would with a lot of data points in non-conference. But we've preserved the possibility of bowl games, preserved the possibility of a college football playoff because we all have stayed uh, in sync on that. Um, so uh, yeah, we'll all make our own decisions and there'll be some slight differences, but by and large, I think we're moving together in step. Dr. Ackerman, uh, one more for you. I think a lot of people are wondering what would cause a team to say, you know, we can't, we can't play this weekend. Would it be 20 players? Would it be the entire line? Would it be two? You know, we're seeing a lot in baseball and I'm sure it's flexible as we've all talked about in fluid, but where are we today regarding that? That's a great question. You know, uh, that is a topic that we as a medical advisory group are trying to come up with some very specific criteria um, and, and benchmarks so that when we get to the point where we're ready to start the season and that occurs that we already have have a decision tree made to try and help guide those those decisions you know it's going to be different it's it's really challenging because you can't just say well it's a certain number of players right because if you get a couple infections and they're coming from different sources and they're occurring within a day or two before the game maybe you don't really have control of the transmission of that virus in that in that instance, and, and you need to take a pause. Is it a couple cases early in the week and they're both related and they're both traceable and you can contact trace back to where they were? That's a much safer environment situation and, and you know you have control over the transmission of the virus. And so it's hard to come up with just an easy, quick um, number. If it was, everybody in every conference would have already had that. Um, you know, even on among us physicians in the A5, we've had shared conversations and, and, you know, we have collegial relationships where we have calls outside of, of structured calls and are debating and kicking around this very topic. And it's, it's, it'll be a complex decision for sure. You could say that just about every single decision being made right now. Uh, thank you so much to the four of you. Yogi and I could ask you four questions all day long, but I know there's plenty of media members on here that want to jump on. So we're going to turn it back over to Dave Hirsch, who will uh, facilitate those. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, Ashley. Thanks, Yogi. Um, again, at this time, uh, media will have the opportunity to ask questions. In doing so, we ask that you click on the raised hand logo in your screen. 
uh, to get you into the queue and we'll and then call on you. Again, this has been recorded, so we will distribute the, the recording uh, after the webinar has uh, finished. So we'll turn it to questions. First up, we'll go to James Crepia. James, your line's open. Thank you. Uh, Larry, first, condolences to you and your family and glad to hear that you've recovered uh, from COVID yourself. Thanks, uh, you're in a different predicament compared to your peers and that you also run the conference network. What is the contractually obligated minimum number of live game broadcasts and hours of live programming for the network and its telecom providers? And how much is that playing into the 10 game model for football and the model for other fall sports, which I'm assuming you hope the NCAA board of governors doesn't postpone other fall championships. Yeah, well, we've got, you know, on average about 78 football games uh, a year that uh, we uh, control the rights to uh, because they're uh, at home or neutral site games. We control the rights to uh, 44 of those go to ESPN and Fox, the balance go to the PAC 12 network. So when our board made the decision on July 10th that we were going to a conference only 10 game schedule, uh, everyone understood that was going to reduce the number of games in our TV contract. And that was a decision not made lightly, made with the interest of health and safety first and foremost, but with significant financial implications. Financial implications because we're going to have less games than we normally have and uh, could result in penalties. Um, and certainly for our campuses uh, that are already looking at reduced capacity and likelihood in terms of attendance now with reduced inventory, and, and uh, we've obviously lost some marquee non-conference games. So the financial uh, ramifications are significant, but they're secondary uh, to health and safety uh, and trying to provide opportunity for student athletes, both in football and Olympic sports in what we feel is the safest and most prudent way, way possible. Uh, the details will still have to be worked out, um, but we've been in very, very close consultation, James, with ESPN and Fox and Pac-12 Networks partners through the process and, and it's fluid and we've got great partnerships and we'll work our way through it. If I can follow up for Larry and for Ray, as I'm sure it's a question a lot want answered. Uh, with the September 26th start date, do you guys feel this will help avoid breach of contract lawsuits under force majeure clauses since almost all of the conferences standing non-conference games were week zero through three? And will you ask for your state governor's assistance in terms of executive orders to cover those dates for amateur sports? Man, I'm going to pass the ball to Ray because he actually has a law degree and, and I don't. Well, I'm going to pass to uh, uh, the conference and our own institutional GCs uh, in the long term. Uh, we haven't gotten to the point where uh, we're looking at those things uh, uh, with a lot of detail. Our, our, really, our emphasis has been on uh, what in terms of scheduling for our student athletes, health and safety is driven by uh, the uh, COVID situation. Uh, that's what we've been uh, really focused on. Uh, however, there's no question that uh, you've seen some of the uh, little blurbs about schools wanting to uh, make sure they try to collect uh, on their so-called guarantees that uh, was force majeure, uh, real or not real in each particular situation. So uh, I don't mean to avoid the question other than to tell you we're going to have to uh, have some GC involvement, uh, and they're going to have to, on a school-by-school -school basis, figure it out. Uh, we've had no discussion at the AD level uh, of whether or not we're looking to our conference. Uh, 
uh, or any place else to deal with those situations, not up to this point. Okay, our next question will come from Heather Denich. Heather, your line is open. Hi, this question is for Coach Shaw. Can you hear me, David? Yes, Heather. Hi, I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, if you saw the news about Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley opting out, and I, I wanted to see, are we going to see more of this? Is this going to be a small number? What are your thoughts in terms of what we might see as far as that being a trend from student athletes who are really concerned about playing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a, a lot of people around the country are, are asking that question themselves, whether they're college athletes or professional athletes. And some people have different risk factors than other people have. So um, I'm not going to weigh in on someone's decisions on whether or not to go to the NFL or not. Um, there have been others that have talked about their family situations and taking care of their families and themselves. Um, and, and so I think that a lot of those are individual discussions. I think the approach, uh, and particularly in our conference, but pretty much nationwide, has been this is a hopefully once-in-a-lifetime situation um, that we're trying to find our way through, and, and those that are not comfortable. Um, we completely understand if, if they don't want to participate. Um, there's no punishment from, from any of us. We get it, um, and we'll try to provide them the support that they need uh, to get through the situation. Thank you. All right, our next question will be from Josh Newman. Josh, your line is open. Hi, Larry, how are you? I'm good, Josh. Um, in, in terms of health and safety, I, I see that there's still a handful of, um, of Friday night games on the schedule. With health and safety, why not just get rid of the Friday night games, have everyone play on Saturday, and give everyone that extra day to you know, rest, recover, and deal with what they need to deal with in terms of health and safety protocols? Yeah, so um, Friday night games uh, and the occasional Thursday night game have been a feature of Pac-12 football schedule uh, for some time, and folks have been comfortable, uh, whether it's coach's perspective, um, you know, the medical advice uh, we've gotten that that's not, does not put student athletes or others uh, in a compromised uh, position. People have been comfortable with it, not just in our league, but other leagues as well. We have made changes, Josh, over the years, you may have followed that um, uh, we don't ask teams to turn around for Friday night games if they've been on the road uh, the week before. So we have made some adjustments over the years, um, but it has not been felt thus far that there is a significant health and safety consideration between Friday night games, <laughs> Saturday night, Saturday games with that caveat uh, that I mentioned. Thank you. Okay, our next question will come from, uh, we'll go Stuart Mandel. Stuart, your line is open. Stuart, you're on mute. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Okay, great. Larry, the release mentions that teams can go to 20-hour uh, weeks starting on Monday and then training camp on August 17th. Um, but, but, you know, depending on local ordinances, how many of your schools are actually allowed to do that starting Monday? And if they're still not in a position on the 17th, would the whole conference delay starting training camp or it's up to the school by school? 
So vis-a-vis -vis the 20 hour CARA uh, starting Monday, I think it's uh, important to um, uh, make clear that still is strength and conditioning work. Um, it's team meetings and, and it's walkthroughs. There, there's no contact. No one's got equipment on. Um, it's not scrimmaging or any of the things most people think about as normal, normal practice. Um, and I believe uh, most of our schools, uh, if not all, are in a position to go there. In fact, you know, student athletes have been asking uh, for that. Um, and so we're pleased that we were able to make that decision today. Vis-a-vis -vis, uh, August 17th, that, that's training camp. Um, given that the earliest start for any of our teams will be September 26th, it's gonna be up to each school to decide I think currently they get 25. Coach Shaw or Ray will correct me if I'm wrong. I think there's 25 uh, practice days that you get. It'll be up to each of our coaches to decide whether they're starting on the 17th or they're starting on a slightly uh, later date and how they want to manage that. Uh, it's our expectation sitting here that our programs all will be able to start as early as then, but sitting here today, they're not. Uh, so this is, you know, uh, for some of our programs still subject to public health authorities and governmental approvals. Um, so uh, hopefully that answers your question, Stuart. Everyone can start as early as August 17th, but it's not my expectation that everyone will start or manage their 25 the same way. So there'll be some flex built in, but everyone's got a common uh, starting point. And you know, if, uh, if that proves to not be the case, if schools you know, can't start then and can't get a safe on-ramp and preparation for the season, um, then we will reevaluate like everything about this. We will reevaluate along the way. I could follow up with uh, Coach Shaw. Um, you know, you, you guys, I think, are in a position where you're waiting on uh, ordinances. If, if it does come through, um, you know, how comfortable would you feel going into pads and helmets and guys hitting each other um, a couple, possibly a couple of weeks from now? Do you feel like you have a handle on how that would work from a, a you know, managing the virus standpoint? Uh, we've been talking about this for five months. So uh, I think we, we will have a plan based on what we're allowed to do, um, based on our local um, medical uh, uh, and, and governmental officials. Um, so we'll, we'll find a way to make it work. Um, yeah, we're, there are things that we can do now that we couldn't do two weeks ago. And hopefully a couple weeks from now, there'll be things that we can do that we can't do now. So. Uh, as many have said on this, we're being, being flexible and open uh, to the process of what we're allowed to do. Um, our, our players understand that now. We're giving them whatever bits of information we can when we have them for, for those guys. Um, but yeah, we, we'll, uh, we'll do what we're allowed to do um, until we can do something more. Okay, our next question will come from Jesse Morrison. Jesse, your line is open. Hi, uh, this is for uh, Commissioner Scott. So obviously, Major League Baseball started last week, and they've had, you know, basically an outbreak with one team and two other teams that are having issues currently right now. Um, obviously, in college sports, there's just no there's just no shot at a bubble. Um, how, how are you going to ensure that, you know, what is happening in Major League Baseball right now isn't going to happen with Pac-12 football? Thanks, Jesse. Well, you're right, there, there is no bubble, and a bubble would not be appropriate in college sports uh, and for our campuses. These are students, um, and um, 
uh, you know, they're not going to be able to be quarantined or isolated in a bubble the same way pro sports do. Um, and we recognize that. And it's one of the reasons where we go into this with a lot of humility um, and recognizing that we've got a plan. We're going to follow medical guidance along the way, but we're going to have to monitor how things go. And it's one of the reasons why building in flexibility to the schedule is so important, Jesse. I mean, if there is an outbreak on the team, we're going and expecting that's a real possibility. And if that happens, especially with 14-day quarantine periods currently, for anyone that's a close contact, that will require the rescheduling of a game. And so basically, we've got two opportunities for each team to potentially reschedule uh, or delay the start. I mean, there, we realize there are some markets that don't have the requisite approvals at the moment. The start on time, uh, need to make sure they've got a safe and robust training camp to be able to play on time. If a team can't start on time, we've got the bye week to reschedule too. Uh, if there's an interruption and game needs to be rescheduled, it can be rescheduled either into the bye week or this uh, December 10th week that we have. So we're actually going and expecting, Jesse, the scenario you mentioned is a real possibility and likelihood and as much as possible, leaving a little flex for that, knowing that we still have to end by December 19th. And that's the balancing act that we tried to strike here. Thank you. Okay, your next question will come from Adam Grossbard. Adam, your line is open. Larry, at this point, what is your confidence level that there will be a college football season? Again, I'll go back to approach the answer to that question with a lot of humility, and I don't know. I think we are all trying to take a step at a time. Uh, we are cautiously optimistic sitting here today, but as Dr. Ackerman mentioned, and we've tried to reinforce, there are elements outside our control that are gonna have a lot of influence on that question. What's happening in our communities? What's happening in our campuses? A lot of that's got to do with right mask wearing, social distancing, other things. What happens when uh, thousands of students come back to our campus? None of us have the answer to that question. We feel a tremendous obligation, however, uh, for the health and well-being of our student athletes, including their mental health, to provide every opportunity possible to be able to play. We understand how important whether it's college football, men's women's soccer, volleyball, uh, being able to practice with your team, uh, being able to play if possible, if it can be safe. We understand because we've heard loud and clear and I hear regularly, uh, directly and indirectly from our, our student athletes how important it is to have the structure, have something they're so passionate about that they've worked so hard for uh, to preserve that opportunity from, that's what we're determined to do, uh, to create the opportunity, preserve the opportunity if the health conditions and the community conditions allow us to go forward and if public health authorities allow us to go forward. So that's our, that's our mindset, but I, I can't make a prediction. Okay, our next question will come from Jay Gonzalez. Jay, your line is open. You need to unmute. Got it. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Okay, uh, Larry, uh, you know, I, I, with all the things that, are, that had to go into, uh, Putting the schedule together, I see Arizona and ASU and UCLA and Southern Cal play in the first week. Was there was that an, an effort to get some games of more significant interest sprinkled throughout the schedule? Was there any effort at all to leave those rivalry games towards the end of the year? What was the thinking on that? Yeah, well, there are a lot of factors that went into it, um, and, and Ray can certainly add to some of the specifics. What I will uh, emphasize 
is you know, one of the aspects of the thinking that went into USC and UCLA being early, and in this case, the first week, that went into Arizona and Arizona State being early in this version, the first week, is we realize at the moment, those are real hotspots and the requisite you know, authorities and approvals uh, necessary uh, are not there yet. But by putting them the first week in the event that these two teams in each of those two markets playing against each other winds up not being possible, they become very easy to reschedule. So each of those could reschedule into the bye week that you'll see on the calendar a few weeks later or to the December week that, that we left. So we're going in eyes wide open. Uh, we're going in contemplating that it's possible not all of our schools can start on September 26th. And for those that can't, the way we've scheduled, particularly in these two markets where at the moment are hotspots, they're very easily rescheduled to a bye week or to the December week, which is when you'd find the traditional rivalry game, by the way. So we're contemplating the possibility. Okay, our next question will come from Brady McCullough. Brady, your line is open. Uh, hi, this is also for Larry. I um, was curious in your, your talking with the other Power Five conferences, um, you guys all got kind of your own version of this, this conference-only thing going, um, and you obviously are hoping, as you've said, to, to all be done somehow by December 19th. Um, well, have you, what was the thought about if you get a certain amount of the season done, but due to the virus and whatever, you, you have to push it into even 2021 to finish out a regular season, therefore probably pushing back a college ball playoff. I'm assuming those things have been discussed, and is that all a part of this ultra-flexible schedule you've, you've tried to put together? Uh, yes. Um, I think, Brady, we're trying to go about this in a very measured thoughtful step-by-step -step way. Uh, so we obviously set out hoping to play a full 12 games starting on time, but we determined July 10th, that wasn't gonna be possible. And we pivoted to scenario B, which for, which for us was conference only with a delayed start with these built-in flexibility features that we're talking about. Um, we realized going in for all the reasons we've talked about on this call, games could get rescheduled, may not be possible. No one can predict what's gonna happen. Uh, we may not get 10 games in. We are hopeful and cautiously optimistic that we will. Uh, and that's the plan. But if we're not able to, we may wind up with certain teams playing less than 10 games when we still try to finish on December 19th. And the same thing may happen in other markets. And we're going to be working as a college football playoff management committee in the guidance we give to the selection committee for how to deal with that and still try to finish on time. Time, even if not everyone's played the same number of games and give the selection committee guidance to choose four for playoff and, and finish the season. Uh, but we also all recognize that the best laid plans may not come to fruition, whether being able to start on the 26th, play a complement of a minimum number of games we feel would be required for a college football playoff. And we may start, but not be able to finish. And then we will have to adjust. We'll have to adjust with a spring piece, either to finish uh, or to start. Uh, maybe delayed dates for a playoff, if it's still possible. Um, there are many, many scenarios still on the table, but we felt it's critical at this point uh, to be able to give some clarity in our plan for our student athletes and our programs uh, uh, when, we, when we intend to play. If 
the health conditions allow us to, and if things uh, taper off the way we're hoping they will, and there's some early positive signs they will in our six markets, uh, we intend to start on September 26. But we will be ready as we've been all along to, like we've already moved from plan A to plan B to move to C, D, and E if necessary. We feel that we owe that to our student athletes. Okay, our next question will come from Jason Barr. Jason, your line is open. Okay, thank you. Congrats on getting this done. Uh, before you answer, I was just wondering if you could just please uh, tell us, uh, for those who don't see the record button, because this looks a little different, is this recordable? And if not, where can we find it later? So that's actually my first question. If somebody who's handling the technical can just answer that real fast. Yes, it's being recorded and we will distribute that uh, post-webinar. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I had two questions. One was answered on the U of A ASU, and the other is I didn't haven't heard you yet talk yet about whether or not there will be fans. Is that a conference decision? Is that up to the individual schools? And have you made a decision on that yet? Um, at the moment, we do not believe that's a conference decision. There's been a lot of uh, collaboration about between our schools and sharing a best practice about how they deal with scenarios with limited fans. But we really feel it's appropriate for us to defer to public health authorities, the county level, state, county, uh, to determine that. Uh, we could have differences in, in the conference, but we're comfortable with that. Okay, our next question will come from Leo Haggerty. Leo, your line is open. Uh, first question is for uh, Mr. Anderson and a follow-up with Coach Shaw. Uh, the NFL makes $7.25 billion on TV revenue. Can a Pac-12 athletic department, if football is played with no fans, still exist, or is that revenue needed to keep all the other sports going? Well, certainly, uh, we're not the NFL. Uh, the uh, TV revenue for not just the Pac-12, but all the uh, conferences uh, are, are important uh, sources. So uh, to the extent that you could do it safely, for your student athletes uh, and, and provide an opportunity to compete uh, and then provide your TV content. You wanna do that uh, so long as it's safe within the parameters as set by the uh, local uh, authorities, uh, the PAC-12 authorities, Dr. Ackerman and his colleagues will give us some guidance there. But uh, if we can present it safely with uh, out fans or with limited fans, uh, our intent is to do that uh, because if you can't uh, watch it in stadium, you certainly want an opportunity to watch it uh, on television and we'll do everything we can, again, reasonably and as dictated by uh, the medical uh, guidance uh, to present that. But is it, it is important to the revenues. There's no question about that. Okay, Leo, uh, you have to unmute yourself. If you want to have oh, a follow-up. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Coach Shaw, depending upon what station your players watch, they're told this is a deadly virus or they're told it's the flu. How hard is it to convince them that this is important and you need to really take precautions? Hey, once again, uh, very grateful to be on that Pactual Working Group uh, with Dr. Ackerman. And we stayed as far away from the political nonsense as possible. Um, we talked about the, the things that we know that are facts, the things that we know um, that can help 
uh, help stop the spread of the virus. Um, and then on top of that, the, the state, national, city, local governmental mandates that regardless of your political affiliation, we have to follow in order to do what we have to do. Um, so our, our, our student athletes understand that, that in order for us to play, there are guidelines that we have to follow that are given to us by the authorities. There are guidelines by each campus that may be slightly different but based on campus to campus. Um, but in order for us to, to play this game that we love, we have to follow those. Um, so it's not about the politics, it's not about what's on TV. Um, I've tried to avoid that as much as possible. It becomes difficult um, um, because for our student athletes, that's not what's important. What's important is what can we do for them to, to allow them to play this game that they love? Um, so we're trying to set up the best possible scenario for that to happen. All right, our next question will come from David Bush. David, your line is open. You'll need to unmute. David, your line is muted. You need to unmute, unmute your line. Okay, we'll go to the next question. We'll come from uh, who we have here, uh, Mike Regalado, go ahead. Hello, gentlemen. Um, you talked about uh, potential uh, safety protocols with fans. Have there, has there been any talk about uh, safety protocols for media attending and how that's going to go? And uh, quick addition, is there going to be a Pac-12 media day? I'll, uh, I'll try take a shot at the uh, second question about the media day and then turn it to Dr. Ackerman to talk about uh, protocols uh, for sidelines, media, and other things. Um, so our intention is to have a media day. We had uh, postponed it until we had more clarity on the schedule. We have not reset the date yet, but it's our intention, Mike, as we get closer to the season starting that we will have a media availability with our coaches and student athletes. In terms of the health and safety protocols as it relates to, to media, that is a topic that we've been um, discussing and been putting together recommendations to give back to the operations groups. Um, a lot of them are gonna hinge on, you know, appropriate distancing, appropriate mitigation efforts in terms of face coverings, um, using uh, technology for distance interviewing when feasible, um, and decreasing population density. And, and Mike, for the avoidance of doubt, I should have said I expect our media day to be virtual given the current circumstances. Thank you. Any date on that by chance? Uh, no, we've got to uh, reconvene as a team and figure out what's optimal given the start date that we've just uh, determined. Thank you. Okay, and we'll have a final question coming from Tony Syracusa. Hey, this is for uh, Dr. Ackerman. Doctor, there were, there were a lot of schools early on as soon as their players started showing up on campus that had positive tests, which would seem to indicate they clearly brought it with them onto campus as opposed to getting it in that first couple of days. Where is the conference in terms of any sort of uniformity of bringing the student athletes in considering you've got six states, all the different counties, all the different protocols. Is there any ability to get any uniformity within the conference for bringing the athletes in safely? And doing? are you guys doing contact tracing? So first, 
to answer the question, we have um, all agreed upon a standard protocol for bringing student athletes onto campus. And it includes a period of self quarantine and then um, symptom reporting when, when the athletes come onto campus. And then we're all doing a surveillance uh, PCR test when they come to campus prior to clearing them to get um, released into doing physical activity. So that is standardized across our, our institutions and was a part of the policy that, that the medical advisory and COVID advisory group developed. Um, remind me of the second part of the question. Was about contact tracing. Will you yeah. guys be doing that throughout the season? So, you know, one of the real benefits to college athletics is that our, our medical teams, our athletic trainers, our strength and condition coaches, um, and our team physicians ha have really good interaction and timely interaction with our student athletes. When somebody tests positive, especially if we are the ones ordering the test, we're going to be notified. Um, you know, at the same time, if not sooner than the health department gets notified and we can then then promptly begin the isolation and, and, and contact tracing discussions. Every single one of our institutions is a little bit different. I mean, ultimately, the public health department is required to do the contact tracing, but we certainly can make their job a lot easier and a lot more timely. Um, and, and we are all doing that across our schools. Thank you.